0: Glad you're with us for this latest edition of the Broadway Show Uncut. I'm Tamsin Fidel. We've got two big interviews on this edition of the podcast. Coming up in just a few, we're going to Fall in Love on the Rocks with Robin Herder. She's one of the stars of the Neil Diamond musical A Beautiful Noise. But first, it has been 27 years if you can imagine since Rent changed musical theater forever. Now the show's original lead is back on the New York City stage. Anthony Rapp has brought his solo memoir musical, Without You, to the new world stages. I had a chance to catch up with Anthony to talk about Without You and a whole lot more. Uh, well, before we start, I wanna say congratulations to you. 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 You've had quite, quite, the la- uh, quite an interesting seven weeks, right? New yes. dad. Yes. Um, what, is, what is more of a challenge, the show or new dad?
1: Well, the challenge has been in this last couple of weeks when I'm gone for like nine, 10 hours a day being just leaving because, right. you know, he's growing so fast. So it's like I, li- I literally left one morning, came back at night to feed him. And I felt like he was bigger in my arms than he was in the morning. So that's challenging. But sure. I, I am I feel like I am able to, like, focus on the work when I'm here and then focus on him when I'm there. But it's the leaving that's the hardest part.
0: I feel like the, the interesting part, though, is where your life is right now and then what you're talking about yeah. when you're at work. I mean, obviously leading yeah. up to where you are now. But um, talk a little bit about that juxtaposition, because that's, that's a big one. That's...
1: Well, one of the things in anticipation of having Rye was knowing that my mom wouldn't get to meet him. And um, being in the show, I'm, ch- I'm kind of ch- I'm channeling her. I'm, I'm talking to her, and her energy is very present. So I feel like, in a way, he's getting to m- meet her. Through me, I don't know. It, it, I don't know. I don't want to sound too, like, woo-woo about it, but it f- her presence feels very present. And so that's a piece that I wouldn't have expected. And it's been really um, comforting, because uh, it is still incredibly bittersweet that, that he won't get to know his grandma in, in the flesh. Sure. But I think he's going to get to know her spirit.
0: Well, talk about that, because, I, I, you know, I, I think that um, that is something that you do. And I think the more you talk about somebody, you, you uh, make them feel very much alive. and very, I lost my mother at a, a young age, so that, that presence is, you know, is really felt. And you're talking about her, you know, each and every performance for a significant amount of yeah. time in a, in a real uh, deep way that a lot of times you don't do that when you lose somebody. What, what has that been like for you? Have you gotten to know her better?
1: I think so. And part of it is that, because I'm, I'm playing her, too, and when I'm saying I'm playing her, it doesn't mean, like, I'm, like, uh, rich. I'm not doing, like, a full impression. Sure. It's more like a, I don't know, like a, uh, and a like an impression, like, like a handprint rather than, like, a full mask. Mm-hmm. So, but I'm, she's speaking to me, so I'm hearing her words. You know, so we're having that, we're having these conversations. And uh, I, I know, you know, when someone's gone from the world, they are gone. Sure. And, you, you know, it's important to rec to honor that truth and that not only are they gone, but also a part of you is gone in a sense because who you were for them is also a little bit gone, but also who you were for them is still with you. So it's, it's, yeah. it's all of it. Yeah. And um, I don't know, I recommend for people to write a letter to their loved ones who are gone. I, that was something that was recommended to me a long time ago and I was like, really?
0: I did the same thing, I, I was like, I'm not doing that. And yeah. then, no, it, 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 it makes a difference. And, yeah. I, and I think that that also helps um, it helps remember that person in a way that that you want to, and in a very clear way, because as more years go by, that that is a lot more difficult.
1: Absolutely, and, more difficult. you know. And as I get older, uh, you know, we were beginning to really become adult friends. You know, I think there's a, sure. there are phases of parent-child relationships. And I was 25 when she died, and over the last couple of years of her life, we were becoming a, we were really close when I was really a kid, and then you know, as teenage of years, course. there was a little bit of a. But I mean, I, when I say little bit, it was little bit, but there was a little bit of a gap Mm -hmm. relatively speaking and then we were coming back together and now as i've gotten older i there are so many more things we could have talked about you know with even more insight so that's the other thing i try to imagine some of those conversations what they could have been or would be
0: well that's what i was going to ask what would what would she uh think about what you're doing now and uh, having you look back over uh those years and where you were and where you are and where you're going to be well she was a a father yeah
1: um i mean she really wanted grandchildren as most parents do. Um, So I I think she'd be very happy and proud about that. Um, And she was a really avid reader and a really avid theater goer and lover of the arts. So I think she would be proud and excited to see, you know, a version of trying to tell the truth about something that happened. I think that that would be meaningful to her.
0: Uh, Well, you you've certainly accomplished that. And uh let me ask you this: How do you feel each night when you come out on the stage and look where, where you, where you know we all look at where we started and where we've been? But you're really going and and re and reliving it out there because you lived it very publicly.
1: I feel um, like it's so vivid. Like it's not that I'm having to reach back in memory. Sure. And it never. And you know the whole experience in the first place was so intense. And I read a book years ago, talk like this is talking about like when thing, intense things happen the traumatic part would be PTSD, but that your neural way, pathways get carved by it, mm-hmm. that's what it feels like. It's like, I don't have to th- I don't have to go, hmm, what was that, that day happened? like when that happened? It, it's right there. So th- I feel like it's, it, it gets evoked, it's present, and I'm really in it, but it's also, I get to sh- the sharing of it Gets reflected back and it gets kind of released. If that makes any sense.
0: Yeah, no, it makes total sense. Talk about that. Uh, Talk about rent. And you know, I know that you've got people that come in here and that and they just relive it with you, uh, probably right down to that minute. Many probably met you. Many, Mm -hmm. you know, have followed your career and uh, and cheered you on. What does that feel like?
1: Um, It feels like I'm being held in a really lovely way. Um, Wilson Jermaine Heredia, who the original Angel, came to the first preview, and, wow. uh, you know, as he was out there, like, I'm talking about the things that we, we, li- we were in the room together when these things happened. And I did wonder, is this too much for him? Is it gonna be hard, you know? Okay. And he was very um, moved by it and felt like I told the truth about it, and that was very gratifying to hear.
0: Did you ever think when you were standing on that stage, that first performance of Rent, that it would be what it is today all these years later?
1: No, I didn't think it would be like an international phenomenon. I mean, it's just... But I did think it was... I did think from the first day of rehearsal that it was something really, really special. But... As you probably know, as somebody who follows theater, there's any number of things over the years that are really special and just yes. don't catch fire for whatever reason. And then there are the things that do catch fire for the right reasons. So I hoped that Rent would be one of those, and then it was. So it, you know, wh- when all the success came to Rent, it felt like earned. It felt like, you know, there's some things that are successful that, for whatever reason, they're, you know, they're not necessarily that meaningful. They're just very popular. Rent was meaningful and popular. And so it felt like it it mattered, plus the fact that Jonathan Larson wasn't there yeah. uh it was incredibly comforting that his legacy would live on, and that his work would be recognized in in his absence.
0: I think rent made people feel like they mattered, and I think that that was really that was what you know led to that success, because I agree with you there are a lot of things that that get very successful and you go "I ah. All right, but Rent was a different, it's yeah. different. And, and, and if you've seen it years after you first, arrived, I mean, I'm a, you know, I'm a Gen X, 52 mm-hmm. years old. So I, I mm-hmm. remember it very, very well. And, um, you know, you, you don't forget where you were uh, in, in your life when you, yeah. when you saw it for the first time.
1: And I feel that, you know, I, people likened Hamilton, the, the experience of seeing Hamilton, a lot of people told sure. me it, it was like seeing Rent in the sense that it was something mm-hmm. that was so groundbreaking and so moving and exciting. And so when I saw Hamilton for the first time and I had that feeling, yeah and then i then i thought this is if this is what people said that they felt that rent it just about rent it just made it that much more um moving to me to be a part of rent in the first place oh, to that's know interesting. because hamilton yeah. Was one of the most incredible experiences I've ever had in the theater. So that they're that they're kind of kindred spirits in that way is really wonderful.
0: I mean, that is a comparison that, you know, and those are two shows that if you if you know nothing about Broadway, right, you know those two mm-hmm. those two shows. And it, again, and Hamilton
1: it, really earned it. It right? like it's not just hype. You know? <laughs> no, 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 not at all. Not at all. You
0: know, in, in all ways, in all yeah. ways, it earned it. Um, both did. Both did. So uh, talk about this and and um, going through this. Every night, I and mean, people see the the outcome on stage. And uh, Saturday night was a, the first preview. But there's a lot to to get here. There's the memoir, and there's the you know saying somebody saying yes, and there's getting up on stage, and there's actually going through the memorization of all of it. Uh, what? <laughs> Not to make you relive all that, uh, but what what has that been like for you? Is it is it what you thought it was going to be? Is it is it uh, harder? Is it easier as it goes along? I'm just curious. It's interesting. I mean, it's I'm a different kind yeah, of. I mean, it's it, a different performance of anything that you know yeah, that anybody's ever done, really, unless you've done it.
1: Yeah, it's very very different. I did Hedwig and the Angry Inch years ago, mm-hmm. and it's similar in ways in the sense that Hedwig really carries that show. There's a band and Yitzhak is there. You know, there's a little more interaction with other people, but it's very much like, I had to go on stage for 90 minutes and like, just like do the whole thing myself essentially and sing these songs and like really go through a gauntlet. So I feel like I, that was kind of preparation in a way for this, even though they're quite different shows, but they're both people, I or Hedwig, telling their story through through stories and song, right? so that part is actually, I feel like I can, I, I, yeah, I can, I can do it. Um, the process of, of, of adapting the book into a show was really like, I'd, I'd never imagined doing it right. as a show. It was always a book, so that was a big hurdle to jump over. But then when we first did our first version and a, just a reading, the response was so encouraging. I was like, okay, there is something here. Because there's a lot, what, how music can help tell a story is more, more, it cuts to the heart more than just words alone. So when we figured out that we could do that with this story, then I was like, okay, yeah, this is, this can be theater. And then I love, I love like what Rent does, Hedwig does, Hamilton does in a way of sense of rock, pop music, Mm -hmm. uh,
2: uh,
1: the the kind of concert theater blend, I think is something really exciting too. I
0: I think it is too. And I think it's something that, you know, I think it's going to become more and more uh, popular and people are going to demand it more. I, I really think so. And it's going to bring different audiences to the theater. This, I hope so. And that's yeah. what that's what you definitely need to have. Um, so you have people that come to New York every day and, you know, they struggle and they work this job and they wait to have that call. You're in rent or whatever show it is right now. Uh, what do you say to them? Because they look at you and you're the, you know, a shiny example of what they would like to be.
1: I mean, I say that, you know, when I got Rent in 1994, I had been working as an actor at that point for almost 15 years. Because um, I, I started as sure. a kid, and still I was working at Starbucks at that moment that I got Rent. And then, even after Rent, I did work very steadily for a few years, but then I had, like, a year where, like the like, all doors seemed like they were closed. Okay. Maybe it was over for me. And then I got A Beautiful Mind, which is this really great film that won the Academy Award. So I, what I say to them is you have to be willing for the roller coaster ride of it. You have to be willing for it. It's not like there's some magic wand that gets waved. For some people, sometimes, sure. yes. There are people who win Academy Awards and don't work for a year or two. So it's, you just have to be willing. If you're going into the career for the, for this golden thing that you think is gonna happen and then everything is like that, then. Mm, you're, you're gonna drive yourself a little nuts it's it has to be for the reason of being a part of something that matters self-expression whatever it is that that you have to have that in yourself because the external success or failure quote unquote mm-hmm. is not yeah. the arbiter
0: I, 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 i'm so glad to hear you say that because it really is that roller coaster ride and you have to be able to do the down and the up um real fast before i let you go museum of broadway oh yeah see- <laughs> What was that like? Because that's like, that's a different, that's different from awards. It's just I a know. whole different experience. It's very cool.
1: I mean, it's like, it's pretty wild to be part of something that's iconic. Yeah. Like, I mean, and, and the outfit, the, it feels the costume. feels very young
0: to be part of something yeah, iconic. Right? I know,
1: it's like, yeah. The, these, <laughs> these clothes that Angela Bent, who this wonderful downtown theater artist, Came up with these clothes, and and it was like a mixture of our sensibilities and her. Like we kind of, we all kind of created together. Of course, she she's the designer, but we like came up with these things together and felt our way through. And for that to be enshrined in a museum (laughs) and that people can like pose with the mannequin with the outfit is, I mean, it's pretty wild. It's 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 a huge honor. And and I think the whole installation of the Rent exhibit is really well done. I I I believe that Angela and Paul Clay, the original set designer were involved in helping make it happen, you know, so that it has, it has the aesthetic of our show. It's not just like a theme park thing. It feels very like this is what it, this is what the, 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 yeah, the rawness of it feels. They, they honored it very well. And it's very, you know, it's a really nice, um, spacious.
0: uh, Deserving. Exhibit. Deserving.
1: Thank you. Yeah.
0: Thank you. I really appreciate it. It's so nice to talk to you.
1: Nice to talk to you too. Thank you so much.
0: Without You is now at the New World Stages right through April 30th. Okay, let's get to our next great conversation, Robin Herter. She's forever in blue jeans, starring right now alongside Will Swenson in A Beautiful Noise, the Neil Diamond musical. Paul Wontorek got the chance to sit down with Robin Herter.
2: Robin, it's so good to see you on this end of the pandemic. <laughs>
3: I know, we it's did so it. nice to see you. <laughs> <laughs> I know We did.
2: You, I know that you are someone who lives in gratitude, especially about your career. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like this is such a great moment for you because, you know, during the pandemic, let's just sort of go through this. Yeah. Moulin Rouge, you obviously yes. were needing Moulin Rouge. Um, it shut down. Sure did. And you got a Tony nomination while you were at home. That that just suddenly happened. So wild. While you were waiting for the show to come back. Tony Awards happened. The show finally came back. And then you went right into, now you're back on Broadway in a new musical, A Beautiful Noise. The Neil Diamond Musical. Yes, A Beautiful Noise.
3: The Neil Diamond Musical. You have to say
2: the whole thing. I know.
3: Sometimes I reverse <laughs> them. And, but yes, that you said it correctly.
2: <laughs> but, but I'm sure... You know, I, I know that you don't always assume the next job is right around the corner.
3: No, never. Um, especially with, I, it's so weird. I, it's weird that like three years have happened. Yeah. Since- <laughs> <laughs> it really seems like we just opened the show Moulin Rouge, Rouge for the first time yeah. in 2019. And I'm like, nope, three years have definitely gone by. It's been such a time warp. But um, no, I uh, once I left Moulin Rouge, I was so prepared to just be a mom, take a seat in my house in the woods and just enjoy life, Mm -hmm. Uh, give my body a rest finally. Um, But when this audition came up just two months later, I mean I left the show and it was literally not even two months later, um, you know you get those feelings where you open up your phone and you see something from your agents and it's like appointment and you're like, oh. <laughs> that's always my first reaction. I'm like, I don't want to, I don't want to. Um, but then I see a beautiful noise and I had actually, I had gone in for that before, okay. like, a, back in the the summer, uh-huh. um, for a role that I was not right for at all. Um, funny story, uh, but full circle. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, uh, when I saw it and I saw that the out of town was at Boston, I was like, Ooh.
2: Which is where you also did Milan Rouge. Yeah,
3: and I'm same from theater. New England in the same theater. And I just have such a such a special place in my heart for Boston and New England, obviously. Um, but I saw it, and then I saw what the role was. And I was like, I think I should probably go in for this. And I did, and it happened so quickly. Wow. And then all of a sudden, within three days, I had another Broadway show. And I was a latecomer. They had had mm. the show cast, <laughs> and I came in... And uh, at the last minute, and I started rehearsals two weeks later
2: that 's amazing
3: and that 's when you just kind of um, you release and you throw your hands up and say, "Take it away, universe, because i 'm not going to fight it i 'm like, clearly this is meant to be, and I'm so grateful and i 'm going to embrace it and go on another journey that was completely unexpected. Never in my life would I ever expect that I would be starring in the Neil Diamond musical.
0: <laughs> <laughs> right. I still
3: laugh, but uh, no, yeah. it's great. And it's, um, it is the most fun I've ever had. And wow. it's the happiest I've ever been on stage.
2: Why do you think so. this show is giving you all
3: that? Uh, I think there's so, so many things. Um, number one, uh, the people, uh, I, this cast, This creative team, every single person, the the company management, um, stage management, everybody is so wonderful, Mm. and I and I'm not I'm not just saying that. They they this is a very special group of people. Not every day does a group of people like right. this all come together in, in one environment and it just makes for a really um, enjoyable workplace. Um, and I've never worked with any of them, not, not mm. anybody even in the cast. Mm-hmm. So this was so, hair department, every, every department, I'm like, I don't know who any of you people are. Uh-huh. And they are all so lovely, so special. The cast, I'm obsessed with every single one of them.
2: You know, um, what I love about the show is by the end of it, you literally have fallen in love with every ensemble member.
3: And that is the other thing that I think is so brilliant about this show and what this team has done and the producing team is that they have they have created this cast. They have brought together this group of people that everyone, everyone's a triple threat. Everyone is one of a kind. No one looks the same. No right. one sounds the same. Yeah. Everyone is so supremely talented. And with Michael Mayer and Stephen Hoggett, our choreographer, they have let these beautiful people like they they're celebrating them in in the the best most honest way Mm -hmm. and it's so beautiful to see on stage Mm -hmm. I mean I've never seen a company like this yeah and you can't you can't just look at one person you're looking Mm -hmm. at everybody because everyone is so different and so special and giving it a hundred and ten percent every single night it's just so there's that that's why I, I am so happy but also the nature of this show mm-hmm. is, um, I love shows that make you feel all the feels. Mm-hmm. And when people hear Neil Diamond, you know, the Neil Diamond musical, right. they're gonna be like, okay, sequence, and yes, yes, you, <laughs> you get the sequence, you get the fringe, and you get the songs, but um, you get his story as well. And um, a lot of people don't know it. Yeah. And Mark Jacoby, who yes. plays Neil now, He's like
2: the Broadway MVP right now. He's so fantastic.
3: And I worked with Mark at Main State Music Theater when I was 19 years old. I did Victor Victoria with oh, wow. him. And then when I was 22 years old, I did Follies with him. And he played Ben.
2: I had no idea. I have
3: a major obsession with Mark wow. Jacoby, and he knows it. Um, so I've known him since I was a wee girl. When I found out I got the job... I was very excited when I found out who was playing Neil now, I screamed so hard and started crying <laughs> because I was just so oh. excited to work with Mark Jacoby again because to me, you look at him on a Wednesday morning, you're like, thank you for my masterclass. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like he really is, and his performance that he gives in this show, especially at the end, um, you're not, the audience isn't expecting that.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: And uh- then we get to just give you exactly what you want, we flip it around and we get to just embrace this glorious music and this amazing musician and get to sing together and dance together and hold hands and put our arms around each other and sway back and forth. And it's like anybody who does not feel that kind of flaming sparkle joy that's happening at the end of this show, then you don't have a soul because it really is. I'm just so lucky every day. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm already excited to go do my matinee because I'm like, I just get to feel that again today, yeah. twice. You yeah, know? I don't
2: blame you. I, I definitely had that experience. I didn't know what I was walking into. I didn't know if A I cared about don't. the Neil Diamond story. And I was emotionally moved and mm-hmm. dancing in my seat and all of those things. And obsessed, by the way, with... <laughs> you, you you do this uh, fantastic number um forever in in blue jeans mm-hmm. which is a Neil Diamond song I never thought twice about Really I never really had a moment with it. Now I'm obsessed with it because of you. Like, it is your full music and the mirror moment with the ensemble. It is uh, It is like this, it, I'm most obsessed with this number than anything else on Broadway right now. I, really? I, I, yes, I want to go see Paul? that number. I'm going to come to the matinee with you and just watch that number. It is so It is so good. I was screaming at the end. <laughs> I loved it so much. Thank it was you. so good. I it was mean, amazing. wow. It was so much fun. I, lo- I loved it. And it, it was just giving me everything. So uh, thank you, thank you for that. Oh, you're so welcome. Well, because <laughs> I'm trying really hard. <laughs> I mean, I, you know, you talk about the the company being so fantastic, and I feel like maybe post COVID, everyone is just so grateful mm-hmm. to be doing this, and I I think that the levels and for me as an audience member, when I really feel something, I feel like I feel it more now, you know.
3: That's and, a beautiful thing. Yeah, you know, it's it's true. finding the silver lining in a really. Um, Really upsetting and confusing and scary uh, moment in our history um, to be able to feel like that when you go back yeah. into the theater and it's like it's 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 been put on steroids that yeah. kind of yeah. feeling of of really feeling and being part of a community and being part of this room this yeah. theater that it's just this group of people with this energy that gets to go through this experience together it's it's remarkable and it's yeah. a reminder why we need live theater it is. So important. Mm-hmm. Go see a Broadway show.
2: Yeah. See this one. <laughs> now, let's talk about Marsha. Yeah. Marsha, Marsha, Marsha. I know. You play Marsha, Neil Diamond's second wife. Yes. Um, who he is no longer married to.
3: Nope. They... So, what,
2: and you're crea- so you're creating a show, and Neil Diamond is around.
3: Yeah. He, he's mm-hmm.
2: very much involved in yep. the process of this. You're playing his ex-wife. Mm-hmm. Is that odd? Is there any? Is uh, anything? Yeah. I mean, obviously, there's and and there's a lot of her story in in the musical. There
3: really is, yeah. which I I wasn't expecting. Um, I have to say, I this was very intimidating for me yeah, because sure. the roles that I've been able to create on Broadway um, have been um, made up, <laughs> and they've <laughs> right. not worn a lot of clothing, yeah. and they really like to yeah. dance and express themselves. So this one I'm like, hmm, not only do, do I get to wear clothes in this show um, <laughs> I'm creating a, a, a real human that's mm-hmm. here, that's alive and with Marsha um, there is not a whole lot of information about her she's, le- she's led a very very private life mm. since the divorce um, so hearing stories from, from Neil or through our, our book writer Anthony, um, I've just tried to Uh, honor her as much as I can with also putting a lot of myself in there. I mean, we're Mm -hmm. both, we're wives, we have children. Mm -hmm. I happen to, you know, even though Clyde, we're blonde, (laughs) um, even though, you know, Clyde is in the the Broadway scene, you know, he is very much a singer, songwriter, musician that I also find that parallel as well. Um, And that I'm, ridiculously supportive of his career and that's what Marsha was that's what Mm. she 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 saw something in him and she was the one that made him peel away those layers and really push him into like you know so-called sequins Mm -hmm. literally and and she helped create this lifestyle this Neil Diamond that everyone adores and loves which it kind of turned into a beautiful monster and um unfortunately relationships are the ones that are sacrificed and it was, you know, 25 years. Yeah. They were married and wow. they divorced. And, um, a lot of
2: hits were written during that time. Yeah. Yeah.
3: I mean, and, and, and Neil has said himself, I, he owes so much of his career to her. And he still has nothing but love and, you know, adoration for her. Um, but, yeah, it's, uh, it was a huge challenge and it was very intimidating. But, and there's times that I just wanted to run away because Michael Mayer is amazing. He's just like, so you sit here and go. And then I have, you know, Will Swenson. He's just terrible to work with.
0: I mean, he's not charming or
3: nice at all. Um, really difficult to work with. Um, I just was kind of like, I've never, I've never done this before. I mean, I have done it before, but yeah. it's just like, this is a whole new thing. And it's like, we're going to Boston in four weeks, and I'm just going to uh, just put my head down and go and wow. see what I can come up with. Mm-hmm. And, but that, that's what's so amazing. And I look back now... And like blue jeans was not this when I started. It was a trio. It was, a, it, you mm. know, with the three women. Oh, I
2: could tell it had the Robin Herder magic. And then
3: I just started sprinkled d- I on just, it. I just put my little slap <laughs> on it. <laughs> and and uh, here I am in a skin tight bodysuit and Spanx jeans and oh, being I- <laughs> lifted up in
2: the air. <laughs> Dunham is so cool right now.
3: I mean, it's in. I need to Thanks to you.
2: A- <laughs> so. Um, I have to tell you, I saw the show a couple days before opening. Mm-hmm. You were fantastic.
3: Thank you.
2: I found out a week later that your dad, Dennis, had passed. Mm-hmm. I think he had passed that day, actually. When, On
3: uh, Tuesday, yeah. maybe? Yeah. Yeah.
2: And, and I was at the Wednesday matinee. So yeah. I, I was extra blown away, having witnessed your performance that day, knowing that that had happened, yeah. and I, 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 I have to ask you, did the, did the whole cast know? No. I didn't think so, and um, th- which is really, um, it made me hold you up to even higher uh, esteem than I, than I already do, because you know I, I adore you and I'm a big fan of yours, but I could tell that they didn't know, because yeah. there was no sort of extra...
3: And that's what I wanted. I, Normally I, um, during
2: a curtain call, you would see a cast sort of, you right. know, like have a special moment mm-hmm. for, for their co-star. Knowing. But you were really focused on the good of the show and getting the show opened. Mm-hmm. And right. I just don't, I, I just can't imagine what that was like.
3: That's one of those moments I'm very in touch with the universe. And I, I, I literally on Tuesday morning when I found out, and Tuesday, you know, Tuesday is the beginning of press week. And I right. was like... Oh no! Like, what is happening? And that's when—that's that struggle where I just—I didn't know what to do. I'm like, should I run home to Maine and be with my family? And it was, you know, my mom and my brothers that were like, Robin, what are you gonna do? Are you gonna sit here and cry with us? Like, are we gonna? There's nothing. Dad knows this is the most important, important week, and he would be so upset if you missed it because of him. And because the number one thing my dad loved most in this world is watching me perform and I knew, I I knew deep down after like freaking out for the whole day, I was like, this is what he wants. Mm -hmm. He wants, he loved nothing more than watching my dreams come true, succeeding. So that gave me, that's what I was, I was going off. Um, I told a a couple cast members who I knew went through similar situations, Mm -hmm. um, but I didn't tell anybody just because I'm always a mom and I'm always I always want to take everybody under my wing and and let yeah. take care of them first. Um, and I didn't I didn't say anything until um, I wanted to wait until after opening because then I was going to go home to Maine for the service and everything. And um, the Friday before opening, um, his obituary had come out, and wow. so I started getting messages from people in Maine and these are some of the closest people in my life now and i'm like this doesn't feel right um so i told them all and i said what i don't i don't want any sad eyes unless i have sad eyes let's just like what i need is exactly what we're doing every night mm-hmm. is you know let's like play let's be idiots let's like give 110 percent let's do this show because this is what's it's it was actually a beautiful escape mm-hmm. to go into the theater and you just weirdly compartmentalize your feelings yeah. And it's not that you forget about it; it just goes back there. And it was actually so therapeutic to just like shut it off and just get to do what I love most in life is is performing. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was really hard. Don't get yeah. me wrong. Um, but opening was magical. It was great. And that's so weird. I, I just I felt like he was there with me, giving strength. And the whole cast was brilliant. Like they're just brilliant. They they did not. It's not they didn't feel sorry for me, but they just gave me exactly what I needed. Like just a, such a strong pillar of support. So one of the most challenging things I, I've gone through, um, I mean, both the way 2022 started and the way it ended, I'm like, whoa. <laughs> so yeah. it's been it's been a lot, but I'm okay. I mean, I'm a tough cookie. Yeah. And um, again, I thank God for this show. I thank God for Broadway. I thank God that I, I get to do this life because it's, um, it's just so special, and I'm so grateful.
2: You were absolutely a daddy's girl. Mm-hmm. I mean, you are a daddy's girl. I remember talking about your father in the past. Yeah. Um. And 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 very much um, like uh, one of the one of the guys.
3: Totally. With your dad and yeah. your brothers. Yeah. Right? I'm, yeah. Yeah. Very scrappy. And my dad was just. I mean, I'm very. It's so funny. Like the minute he passed, and I was talking to Clyde, my husband, a lot, and. About it, and we're realizing, I'm like, my God, I am my father. Just like, flip a table, let's party, doesn't <laughs> care about, like, he doesn't care what anybody thinks. He says whatever he wants, he does whatever he wants, um, and he's always a life of the party and just enjoys and lives life. So um, I'm, I'm fortunate, I'm just gonna focus on that and make that my legacy.
2: Yeah. Because I,
3: you know, continue his bloodline, because it's yeah. very much me. <laughs>
2: yeah. What, what, if you don't mind me asking, was it sudden or did you know?
3: So my, uh, talk about this, my dad, it was in advanced stages of Parkinson's. Okay. Um, so um, I, uh, it, it, not that we were expecting it by any means, yeah. um, but we knew that, you know, it wasn't going to get any better. You know, it was rapidly advancing mm-hmm. also with dementia. Um, but, you know, this was, you know, it was a heart attack. And um, it's, I mean, I thought I was gonna, you know, we were hoping to get a few more years, he was 80. Yeah. We were hoping to get a few yeah. more years out of him, but um,
2: right.
3: what can you do, you yeah. know? And um, I'm just very grateful from the time that I had with him and, and how amazingly supportive he was yeah. of my career and just always trusted every single decision I made. He, um, and I'm just just—I'm so grateful because yeah. I know that not all parents would be supportive of the arts and this kind of field, and he, see, he you know, I'm I'm the weird one. There's no one in my family that is like in the arts whatsoever, um, and they were always just the most supportive. Yeah. So, very grateful.
2: You already referenced, but earlier in the year, you had a miscarriage, mm-hmm. and you talked about that uh, publicly. So, you've been through a lot, career and and personally. So I'm kind of wondering how you're. What's sort of recalibrated for you over the last couple of years? And obviously everyone just going through the pandemic has also been an experience for everyone to sort of look at their lives.
3: Yeah, I mean, it's so interesting The the, the pandemic, I mean, kind of right off the bat, um, you know, Clyde lost his mother um, mm. to brain cancer um, in the summer. Uh, so we were dealing with that kind of grief. We, of course, our dear friend Nick Cordero passed, yeah. um, which was, which was so hard to deal with. Yeah, it's not that you get. It's I had never really experienced that kind of grief before. Right. Um, so it's weird that it it kind of then it started happening to me uh, personally. Mm. Um, thank God I have a support system like I do with my family with first and foremost clyde um he's he's an extraordinary man an extraordinary partner we've we'll will been together for 20 years this august it's oh, amazing crazy. i love that i was just um, about to ask you yeah that's 20 years wow. babies um, <laughs> but to have that line of communication with him um to to really be able to feel free to honestly talk through everything yeah. that i'm feeling is so important um my group of my my circle of friends um my close friends um they're the ones that that just helped me keep going having these conversations it's really just talking about it and Mm. i feel like especially with miscarriage and i've talked about this very openly that it's so strange that this is it's not i used to say it's one in four it's literally like one in three um, that women experience this oh so many of my best friends have experienced it um but we still have this feeling like we can't talk about it and that's why Mental health with women and everything is because we feel like we have to be silenced and and then we suffer. And knowing me, I'm like, <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm like, I don't, no one tells me what to do. Mm-hmm. I do whatever I want to do. And I realized when I left Moulin Rouge, I was not okay. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was very traumatic that I was like, oh, I'm leaving because I'm having a baby. And then I lost the baby. And then I'm like, well, I'm still out of a job. Um, and I'm just going to, I'm just going to breathe and take some time. Mm-hmm. But I started hearing, you know, everyone's like, how's your body? How's your body feeling? Cause everyone thought I was leaving cause I was tired or my mm. body was hurting because right. Nini is such a demanding role. Right. And that made me very upset because I'm like, I'm not a weakling. <laughs> I was like, I would never, ever, ever, ever leave the show early because my body hurt. Mm. Um, and I realized I was, I was getting very angry and upset and I just, talked to Clyde and I said, I realize it's because I'm not being honest. And like, especially when it comes to social media, I always, I squawk about it. I honk about it all the time, honesty, transparency, authenticity. And I'm like, what am I doing? Like this is, this is why I'm having a really hard time dealing with this and having these outbursts. And uh, so I let it out and it was the best thing I could have done for myself because this is when social media can be such a beautiful, beautiful place right. where you can find this community and bring people together and help each other. I, when I tell you probably over a thousand messages I got from women who are like, thank you. I, I actually now have the strength to tell my mother about my miscarriage that I had seven years ago or I've never really been able to talk about when I lost my baby. You know, it went on and on and on for months. Um, and the number one thing I love to do is help people and make people feel better I want to make people happy I want to spread love and and lead with love and the fact that this turned it actually turned into a, a really beautiful moment it's like out of something that's so horrific and, it, and traumatizing the fact that we can turn I, I was able for myself to turn it around into something that was really beautiful is like that's that's what healing is and I still think about it, you know, this is the time last year that right. I found out I was pregnant. Right. So the holidays were obviously hard because of my dad, but also I realized, I'm like, why am I, why am I having these feelings again? And I realized, I'm like, oh, this is when we found out we were pregnant again. Right. And it seems so long ago, right. but it was really only last year. Like, it's so weird that I'm like, wow, I was in Moulin Rouge this time last year. seems like a decade ago. That was a lot.
2: <laughs> no, absolutely. I, lo- I love that. It's, 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 and you're right. It's amazing to have something turn, turn into something else. I mean, isn't
3: that the only thing that we can do is just try to find yeah. some sort of beauty or joy in a really awful situation. Yeah. So I guess that's how I kind of got through it.
2: Yeah. So we have to get you to the theater. So let's, 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 let's walk,
3: walk down on it's 8th. It's cold out. So let's put our, our I know, but to- I'm from Maine. So, so everyone's like, aren't you cold? And I'm like, man, come on. I got thick skin.
2: All right, let's, let's take off. You gotta, we got to get you down to do uh, Forever Blue
3: Forever and in Blue, blue jeans, jeans, babe! <laughs> Just like that.
0: <laughs> be sure and join us next week for another great episode of the Broadway show Uncut. Until then, I'm Tamsin Fidel. And be sure to catch us on TV. You can check out your local listings.